0: Welcome to Aligning Finances to Faith, brought to you by Faithful Financial Services. This podcast is intended to educate, inform, and inspire anyone who wants to ensure their money is being used effectively in regards to their faith and role as a steward of God's provision. I'm your host, Henry Netherland. Let's get started. As we continue the Aligning Finances to Faith podcast and the series on biblical financial foundations, today we will be discussing contentment. We will offer some definitions of contentment, discuss why it's so hard to be content, see what the Bible has to say about contentment, talk about how to live a life of contentment and how being content affects our finances and financial decision making. Joining me for this discussion is my co-host, Melanie Wheeler. Melanie has 20 years experience in the financial services industry but left the business a few years ago for full-time ministry at her church. She has been a huge encouragement to me as I started my own financial services firm and continues to serve God as we begin this new podcast.
1: Hey, well, thanks for having me on the podcast, Henry. Um, let's start our discussion about contentment today with what God's Word tells us in First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 about contentment. It reads, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So, Henry, what does contentment mean? Can you define that for us?
0: Well, I really like what Timothy says. Um, So I went to the definition book, which is a dictionary, and I looked up what does contentment mean. Um, And basically, the way the world would define it is a state of being happy or satisfied um, or an emotional state of satisfaction that that can be seen as a mental state. Another way would be the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. Um, I went ahead and looked it up in a Bible dictionary to see what that had to say. And um, they defined contentment to be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. And I kind of like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also found on Crown Financial Ministries, some, when, when they were talking about um, contentment in an article called Learning Contentment back in February of uh, 2007. And this is what they had to say. Contentment, contrary to popular opinion, does not mean being satisfied where you are. Rather, it is knowing God's plan for your life, having a conviction to live it, and believing that God's peace is greater than the world's problems. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Melly, why do you think it's so hard to be content?
1: Well, I, that is a great definition, by the way, the Crown Financial, and it talks a little bit about what the world teaches us and tells us about contentment. Um, I kind of think of that mentality that we hear in the world so much, the dream big and the reach for the stars, and those things can lead us to feel like the circumstances of our lives should be bigger or that we should always be striving for something more. We're surrounded by so many that are in a spotlight, and we think that we need that spotlight too. The world tries to teach us that contentment is a negative word, and I will admit that that used to be an opinion of mine. I used to think of it as a negative word. I really thought that it... it it referred to somebody that had given up striving for more, but that's not what the Bible teaches us, right, Henry? I
0: would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really materialism that's um, the greatest conflict to our contentment. And and I'll define materialism for for those who may not know. It's a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values.
1: Yes, yes. So I believe that the Bible it. it Contentment can be such a a hard concept because it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to work hard and pursue our goals. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I think that that's important for us to remember is that God is calling us to be content with the circumstances of our lives and um, where he has put us to do his work. But we are ultimately serving him with the work we do, and we are called to do that work well. So I guess the final thought I have on that is, you know how, do we know, how do we know if our goals are in line with God's will for our lives? And I think that that just boils down to each time we set a goal, we have to prayerfully ask ourselves, does this goal glorify God or does it glorify me?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think that's the exact thing. You know, I always reference seeking first the kingdom of God. And I think as as long as we're doing that, um, we should be content. Um, So what does the Bible say about contentment? I I, I think that's a good um, place to go when we start wondering about contentment. I know in Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Um, that says a lot. Um, and in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, it says, I'm not saying this because I am in need for, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether you're well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength.
1: Well, that's one of my favorites. I love that. I think I love it so much because that last verse, um, Philippians 4.13, you see it so frequently. It's a very popular verse, and it's, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And while there is, you know, that is very true, I think what people miss so much of the time is that right there before that, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And that's part of why he has... He knows that he can do all things because it doesn't matter the circumstances. He's content where he is, and he knows he can do all things through Christ, whether his circumstances, he has plenty or he has want, whatever those circumstances. And to me, that is what contentment is all about.
0: How do we learn contentment or or live a life of contentment? I agree. That's, That's awesome.
1: Well, I guess one of the things that comes to mind for me is that we don't try to Keep up with the Jones, as they say. You know, just because somebody else has something doesn't always mean that it's something that we need to pursue. We don't need to fall into the trap of comparison. We're called to live the life that God gave us. I'm called to live the life that God gave me. And a big part of that, a big part of being content, in my mind, is the practice of gratitude. Um, gratitude is really powerful. So when we learn to see things that we have as gift from gifts from God and we truly appreciate those gifts, we can begin to find contentment where we are.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way of going about it. Um, Being content doesn't mean that you never try to better your financial situation or to get nicer things. Just don't think that those things are going to make you content. Um, Thank God for what you have. trust um, Trust God to provide for your needs and pray for God's help in using what you have to further his kingdom. That Crown Financial Ministries article I referenced earlier, Learning Contentment, outlined um, seven basic guidelines uh, for being content. And I'll just read them. There's eight of them. Um, Number one was establish a reasonable standard of living. Number two, establish a habit of giving. Number three, establish priorities. Four, develop a thankful attitude. Five, reject a fearful spirit. Six, seek God's will. And they reference Philippians 3.8. Um, seven, stand up to fear. They reference Philippians 4.13. And trust God's promise, um, Philippians
1: 4.7. So Henry, how does being content or seeking contentment affect our finances?
0: Well, I think the first thing is we have to um, ask the question, how much is enough? Um, and do I believe that what I have right now is enough? Um, materialism is the opposite of contentment, and it's the greatest foe. Um, So we, we just need to use money as a tool to accomplish God's plan through us.
1: Yeah, I think that when we strive to live within our means and we leave margin in our budget, we can live with less anxiety and worry in our lives. And when we minimize that anxiety and worry, we can be more content.
0: Okay, you had mentioned leaving margin in, in our budget, could you uh, maybe give us a definition of what that means?
1: Well, um, if you'll recall back from one of our earlier podcasts, we talked about the financial, you know, the principles, uh, biblical principles for financial management. And the first one is spend less than you earn. And that's what it means to leave margin in our budget is that we spend less than we earn, therefore reducing that stress and anxiety about our finances not being enough to cover the things that, the things that we're buying or the, our, our expenditures.
0: Right. So I think um, we can kind of leave contentment there. Um, just to wrap up, we kind of talked about what the contentment, house defined and what it might mean um, and why it's so hard sometimes to be content. Um, we talked about uh, trying to live a life of contentment um, and how being content uh, will affect our finances.
1: So as we discuss contentment, I just can't help but think about Part of my testimony and my coming to Christ was, uh, was that discontentment. I think before I knew Christ, I had a lot of discontentment in my life. And I, was, um, I spent many years searching for what was going to make me happy. I would think the next vacation or a bigger and newer and nicer home, I would place my trust in people or things that I thought would bring contentment and fulfillment and happiness. And... Um, I found that those places were not where I was going to find that contentment, that that could only be found in Christ. Once I found my way to Christ, I learned that. If you're living in that same place, um, if you're living a life of discontentment, or you're seeking to fill the void that you feel in you, in other people, or in things, material things, people, places, those kinds of things, then I would urge you to seek the Lord. Um, there is a hole in our heart that only He can fill. It can't be filled with the material things of the world or the things that we think we're looking for. I don't think I even realized that it was Christ that I needed, but He was exactly what I needed. So we record these podcasts many times just with the assumption that most people that are listening are Christian. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I would urge you to... Learn more about him. Learn more about who he is. Find a Bible if you don't have one and read his words and see where he leads you. Um, Accepting Jesus and his death on the cross for us is what will only bring ultimate fulfillment.
0: Thank you for listening to Aligning Finances to Faith. Brought to you by Faithful Financial Services, a registered investment advisory firm dedicated to seeking first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness and helping clients apply biblical principles to their finances. Faithful Financial Services specializes in helping Christians invest in ways that bring glory to God, typically through biblically responsible investments. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast and we'd like more information, you can find us at FaithfulFinancialServices.com. Action.
1: <laughs> okay, so hi, uh, this is Melanie, and I thought we would kick this off with a scripture. So we're talking about faith, so our scripture today is Hebrews eleven six. 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him.
0: Yeah, thank you, Melanie. I, I, I think that's a good scripture. I always like to start with you know trying to get a definition of faith and, and how that might be defined. Um, so this is what I found a general de- definition of faith um, on the internet. It means complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Um, Then I looked up what a theological definition of faith might be, um, and this is what it said. Faith is the basic ingredient to begin a relationship with God. Faith is the assurance that the things revealed and promised in the word are true and even though unseen, and gives the believer a conviction that what he expects in faith will come to pass. In other words, it becomes so tangible that you now possess it. Um, And I think that refers... um, straight back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Um, this is the King James Version. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I think that's a pretty good definition.
1: Yeah, and funny that you, you mentioned that chapter. Our first original um, scripture that we read was Hebrews 11.6. So you're noticing something here. Many times that chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11, is referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame chapter. That chapter is all about faith. And after we read Hebrews 11, Sometimes we might notice that repetition of the phrase all throughout the chapter as, as the writer refers to each of those individuals, um, you'll see that phrase, by faith. So as I begin to see that all of the people mentioned had that one thing in common, that no matter who the writer was referring to or talking about, each person had simply taken God at his word and obeyed his command, and they were commended for their faith. Um, They were all remembered for their faith. So let's look at a few of those people that are mentioned in that chapter. Is that okay, Henry? Absolutely. Okay. So let's see. One of the first I see noticed here is that by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Um, By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So... By faith, Noah did these things.
0: Yeah, that was a big step, That was
1: huge, you know? I mean, somebody tells him to build an ark. He didn't ask why. He didn't ask any questions. He just took the step, and that's why he's commended in this chapter for his faith. Same thing, right? Next, we look at Abraham. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Well, that's a pretty big step, too, I would say. Yes, it and is. And that takes huge faith. It's a huge leap of faith to hear God's word, to hear him speaking to you, telling you to do something when you don't even know where he's telling you to go. And he took that step. So there, Abraham was commended by, and for his faith. Um, also, it mentions over on um, 11, in chapter, in, in 11, verse 30, that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days.
0: Well, that's impressive.
1: I mean, once again, you're looking at this group of people that just took God at his word and did what he commanded. And the walls of Jericho fell because of their faith. Um, And there's just story after story in this chapter about faith. and, And every time you look at it, it's because each of these people are commended for their faith because they took God at his word and they obeyed his word. So I believe that that's a great working definition of faith is just taking God at his word.
0: Yeah, I think we can run with that one.
1: So, so Henry, how do we get faith?
0: Well, you know, I always like to go to the Bible when I look for answers, and I think that's a, a perfect resource to try to answer that. Um, so we, we see in Romans 10, 17, Um, This is what it says. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So I think um, the only way to get faith is to hear about God and what he can do for you.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And and I think that initially, it's that first step. When we we take that first initial step in our faith, we're choosing to place our faith in God and his word. um, And that's that first step. But then I feel like our faith is also a journey. It's more than that first step because we have to choose every day, again, to live our lives in light of the gospel, in light of our faith. We have to always choose to turn to God's word and not our feelings. I know I don't know about you, Henry, but me, my feelings and my emotions can get in the way of my faith. They can cause me to start doubting. They can cause discouragement. And um, if we let those feelings and emotions get in the way of our faith, it causes us to do those things, to doubt, and to His word and His goodness. So it's a continual, everyday choice that we make to choose to live by faith. It's, it's not just a one-time deal.
0: I agree. It's a it's a daily thing for me as well. So you know, this is an aligning finances faith podcast. So um, the question begs to differ: What does faith have to do with finances? And I think you touched on it. It's connecting our faith journey with our financial journey. And doing so allows God to use our finances to shape our heart and our life to treasure him more. Um, implementing faith into our financial management means regularly asking, God, what would you have me do? And then basically moving forward in faith based on the answer.
1: Right. So if we go back to that definition I was talking about earlier is faith is taking God at his word. So if we choose to take God ahead his word we have to be obe- obedient sorry we have to be obedient to his direction and calling in uh, in our lives. So part of this is being obedient with how we spend our money. There are lots of truths, many truths in God's Word about being good stewards of our resources, including our money. And we've discussed many of those in lots of the previous episodes of this podcast, right, Henry?
0: Yes, we've covered it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so if you missed those, I would encourage you to go back and listen, because we talk a lot about what God's Word says about our money, about being good stewards of our gifts, talents, resources, and all that includes our money. So if we truly have faith in Jesus... We have to be obedient with our finances as well as any other part of our lives. So, Henry, how can we demonstrate our faith through our finances?
0: Well, I think it, um, it comes back to just having financial faith means that we hold our finances with an open hand. And we talked about that when we talked about stewardship. And it also includes seeking God's direction in the deployment of our money. Um, there's some questions I think we should just continually ask ourselves um, what does it look like when we seek God's direction for our finances? We all have to answer that question. Um, are we in conversation with God about our money? Um, and how have we experienced God as the ultimate provider in our life? I think everyone can, can answer that question differently, but um, I think that implementing faith into our financial measurement means regularly asking God, what would you have me to do, and then moving forward um, in faith based on that answer.
1: Yeah, that's a great question to always ask ourselves. God, what would you have me do? Because again, um, it boils down to me that we're to be obedient to God's word. It's taking God at his word. And by asking that question, we're trying to figure out what it is God is telling us to do. Um, God, what would you have me to do with my money or any other parts of our lives? So the blessing that can come from that uh, obedience is so powerful. And it can lead others to faith in Christ too. It's not just for ourselves, but it's for those who are watching, for those in our lives that we have influence over. We can um, lead others to faith in Christ by that example. So our main mission and purpose as followers of Christ is to lead others to him. So demonstrating our faith through the way we handle financial matters can be a powerful tool and a powerful testimony that can draw us closer to him, but also can lead others to saving faith in Jesus.
0: I think that's very well said. Thank you very much, Melanie. Um, So today, we talked about faith and its importance in our lives and our finances. Faith is a heart perspective critical to biblical financial foundations and integrates seamlessly with the heart perspectives we've discussed previously, like wisdom, stewardship, and contentment. All these work together, and it's hard to experience one without the other. So this concludes the series on biblical financial foundations. I've learned a lot in preparing for these episodes and hope you found some enjoyment as Melanie and I forged our way through these topics. Um, One last thing before we wrap up the topic of faith. Obviously, faith for Christians is a big deal as it impacts our relationship to God and our lives, including our finances. Exercising daily faith in Christ eliminates fear and allows us to confidently step into the future, knowing that God loves us and will take care of us. But what if you lack faith in Christ and have never experienced God's saving grace? It boils down to what will you put your faith in? God created the earth. He desires a relationship with you. But everyone has done things that have created a separation between us and God. God loves us so much that he sent his son to make a way for us to reunite with him. Jesus lived a sinless life. He had died to cover our sins so that we could again enjoy a relationship with God. Then he rose again to life, proving that God has power in this world all the power. So I put my faith in Christ. If you've never done so, I encourage you to prayerfully seek him. Ask a local pastor or church member to visit with you about your faith. Do something to ensure that your faith is in the right place, and that's the one and
1: only God.